Welcome to Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and equips you to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible and you brought it with you, would you take it and go to the book of Philippians? The book of Philippians, the first chapter. We're going to be reading verse 1 through verse 11. And uh, felt last week as we were together that God had highlighted something in our time together that I was very mindful of all week long and uh, even in prayer. And so today we're going to be talking about this whole idea of maturity by difficulty. We don't like that uh, difficulty word, do we? Um, I think we all could uh, settle into maturity, but maturity being defined by difficulty is a whole nother challenge in and of itself. The Bible says, Paul and Timothy bond servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Could you look at your neighbor and just say joy? Key word. For your fellowship in the gospel from the very first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both, watch here, in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace." For God is my witness, and how greatly I long for you all with affection of Jesus Christ. And, I, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more. In other words, it doesn't stop. There's more to it. Still more and more in the knowledge and of discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are led, I'm sorry, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. I'm going to speak to you for the next few moments on the subject of maturity by difficulty. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Morgan, thank you. Vanessa, thank you. Kiddos, thank you. Uh, tremendous story. All right, so let's just get right to it today. What are we talking about today? Very simple, it's kind of in the title, so it kind of makes sense, but let me kind of dig a little bit deeper and kind of laying the foundation. We're talking about this idea of what it means to mature and to understand that in life, maturity happens most of the time through difficulty than it really does success. Have you noticed that? When things are going great, it's it's almost as if we don't really have to focus on things, little issues don't bother us. But when things start to get difficult, they begin to reveal things within us, and all of a sudden, we're, we're faced with this decision of, do I act maturely, or do I not act in maturity? Now, for those of us who have kids, we know exactly what this looks like. If uh, you need a reminder, um, find a kid and just put them in a difficult situation or take something from them that they really want, like that iPad that they've already been on for two hours that they need to unglue themselves from. You, you take that iPad from them and you are just faced with this idea of it's going to be okay. The sun is still going to rise. <laughs> it's like it's the end of the world. And I started to think about this whole idea of where we have found ourselves over the course of the past 14 weeks 
And as we spoke about a little bit last week, I started to realize even in my own life and maybe even in yours as some of the response last week was like, amen, brother, preach it, you're speaking my language, which is this, in difficult times, we tend to miss the mark of how we should be, what we should say, what we should be thinking. And so it's from that understanding that today I wanna just talk about how if we embrace those difficulties that come our way, because trust me, friend, this is not uh, one thing that we're gonna go through in this pandemic and all this stuff, and it's gonna go away and there's never gonna be anything else like it. As we get closer and closer to, to the last days, it's, it's actually only going to get worse. And because of that, we have to understand that the tough times that are gonna come our way, we have to face them with the maturity that Christ would want us to have. And so kind of the big idea, I would love for you to write this down if you're taking notes is this, is that for maturity to grow, we must understand that difficulties don't break us, they make us. In short, difficulties are actually for your benefit more than they are for your detriment. In other words, if you embrace what that difficulty is, is producing in your life, you become better because of it. It's almost like you can't get diamonds, Evan, unless you add some pressure. Does that make sense? You can't get it. And so many times people, when pressure comes or discouragement comes or difficulty comes, they find themselves saying, hey, I've got to run and I've got to get away from this instead of saying, well, wait, wait, hold on here. If the difficulty is coming into my life, there's got to be a reason for this. And so I think it's worth us understanding that, hey, how you are today in the face of difficulty is not how you should be a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now. Respectfully, I'm saying this to myself, if I am still acting immature and difficulty the same that I was 10 years ago as a 28-year-old man, and I'm still that way today at 38, I've got a problem. Does that make sense? Like, it's like, look, if I'm not better, I'm missing something. And you can take difficulty away. Let's put anything in there. What did it say in verse six? That he who has begun a good work in you. Then it goes on to say, we'll complete it. When? Either when your time is done or Jesus comes back, which means we should be changing. We've got to be different. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. Now, I told you, we, we, we've been in a midweek group on the book of Acts. We started it back when this whole thing started because we figured <laughs> in the book of Acts, they met in homes and we couldn't meet here. So I was like, well, let's just talk about the early church that started operating differently and the power of the Holy Spirit that began to do things inside of them that only the Holy Spirit can do. Watch here when Jesus, in fact, actually went away. Now, we joked about this a little bit, but I'll give you some context. Jesus looks at his disciples and goes, hey, guys, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm out of here, and it's actually better for you that I go. Now, if you're a disciple, you're going like, hold the phone here, Jesus. Last time I looked, I don't think I've raised a person from the dead. That was pretty gnarly. We live on the Central Coast. I should say gnarly. That's tubular. That's radical. Might have watched a little bit of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with the boys. I can't help it. Um, I discipline my boys now. I make them do backflips when they get in trouble. Thank you. Never mind. If you haven't watched Ninja Turtles, you're missing out on it. Go watch it. It'll do really good. Hi, Patricia. So, so 
there's this idea that Jesus says, it's better for you. What could be so better than Jesus? On this earth, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that reminds you. The Holy Spirit is the one that corrects you. The Holy Spirit is the one that comforts you. The Holy Spirit is the one that kind of stops this thought in your brain that comes when it should not be coming out of your mouth. It's the Holy Spirit that leads and guides. So, so when we say, I don't want to embrace difficulty and I don't want these things to get better, what you're saying is you're devaluing the work of the Holy Spirit that goes into your life. And I'm guilty of this too. I joked with you last week, it took God a week to tell me what he wanted me to speak on last week. And I was like, why'd you do that? I'll tell you why he did that. Because I prayed a prayer that said, God, I don't want to speak another message based off what I think I should speak. I want to be led by you. So last week in the midst of opening up for the first time in 13 weeks, God waited until 9.30 on Saturday night and said, hey, why don't you go ahead and speak on peace? I'm like, thank you for giving me peace finally. (laughs) But it's that idea of this. Like you need, everyone in this room, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if difficulties are coming, and they are, you can't do it on your own. You can't fix yourself. Listen, respectfully, you are not good enough. No one is. You cannot put a system in place that will keep you from doing (laughs) the wrong thing. You're sinful, you're carnal, you have a fleshly nature, it wants to rise up, like Evan today when we're on the golf course and I beat him by 15 strokes, he's gonna wanna get discouraged, upset at me, and I'm just gonna be like, let the Holy Spirit have its work in your life. (laughs) You have to begin to understand that this whole idea of difficulty on the golf course is actually for your benefit, Evan. God is trying to humble you in ways you have never been humbled before, and he chooses to use his servant right here to do it. For maturity to grow. (laughs) Love you, dude. You've got to understand that difficulties, they don't break you. They make you. They cause you to look deep within yourself and say, okay, what's going on here? I love the Apostle Paul, writer of this book. Apostle Paul was actually the one who founded the church in Philippi. This was his first church. So I want you to think about this for a moment. It's written by a church that he planted. It's the first church that he planted in Europe. And so he has this deep affection, okay? It's like, like, I know we have multiple children, but you never forget your first child and you never forget your first. I mean, there's so many things about the power of first, right? Like that first, it's infancy, it's new. This is his baby. This is his first church ever. And it's interesting that Philippi is actually even the same place at about 52 AD in Acts 16, where we read of Paul and Sice being thrown into prison. And at the midnight hour, they're praying and they're singing hymns. And all of a sudden, the walls begin to shake. The chains begin to fall. And they walk out. It's a tremendous story. Paul writes this book 10 to 12 years later. Watch here. As an encouragement to them and to us to remain joyful no matter what. The book of, the book of I mean, if I put it this way, Philippians. Four chapters, you can read it in about 20 minutes, but there's a key word that comes out 16 times. And it's this word called joy. Would you look at your neighbor and say joy? Joy. What's even crazier about this is Paul is not writing this letter in the comfort of his own home, sitting back on a recliner with his Lipton iced tea on a nice sunny day. He's writing this book in a prison. 
And not just any prison, the, the prison of all prisons, down deep in the ground. And notice his attitude is not, hey, God, you want to go ahead and get me out of here now? It's hot down here. This guy next to me, this Roman soldier, I'm chained to. He's annoying. He's not groaning, kind of like we do, right? When things kind of get difficult, am I the only one? You just kind of, you begin to just, mm, negative. I, I feel sorry for anybody named Nancy because you become a negative Nancy. So if your name's Nancy in here, you're watching online, I'm not talking to you. Just throwing it out there. Someone put it together and I therefore said it. But he's in prison. And he says these words in Philippians 1.4. Look at it again. Verse 4 through 6. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I'm in prison, but when I think of you and I pray for you, I'm so joyful. You want to talk about maturity. One of the marks, as we're talking about today on spiritual maturity, is this, is what's your attitude like when you go through difficult times? What's your demeanor? What's your outlook? Because the scripture never promises us that everything is going to be easy. Have you noticed that about life? We're all going to face hard times. We're going to go camping, and the campground is going to be falling apart, Chris and Colette. And your dogs are going to go through all the screens, and the water's not going to run, and you weren't going to want to fish all four days you're there, but you're only going to get one shot at it. You know what I mean? You ever tried to build something? Like, let me just kind of throw this out there. Anybody ever shop at Ikea before? Okay. You cannot shop at Ikea if you don't first take a class on how to build stuff from Ikea. It doesn't matter how good you are with your hands and how many things you've put together. Ikea is on a whole nother level. But you ever like tackled a project where you thought you knew exactly how it was going to go and how long it was going to take you and then you get into it and you discover this is not going how I wanted it to go and this has taken me much longer than I wanted it to take me. I'm not looking at my father-in-law right now. I'm not doing it. Not going to do it. I love working with my father-in-law because here's what I do know. We are going to go to Home Depot at least four to five times for one project. And what I love about that is every time we go, they have those coolers with Diet Cokes, and I'm going to rock about five Diet Cokes in one day, so it's, it's well worth the trip. Sometimes things don't go according to plan. You say, Pastor, I wish you'd be a little bit more positive today. All right, let me give you the next line. I'm positive your life is going to encounter a lot of hard circumstances. It's going to happen. So what do we do? We, we begin to face it, just like Paul. Okay, so let me just give you real quick, Dave, three things. Three things that the Apostle Paul teaches us when facing difficult times that I think will help all of us in the now and for the days coming ahead. Because you know what I'm going to say at the end of service, huh, Derek? I'm going to say, hey, when God's word is preached on a specific subject, do not be alarmed or dismayed when you walk out of these doors and you face the very thing we're talking about today because the enemy's job, according to scripture, is to come and try to steal the seed that was sown, which is the word of God. So I'm telling you that when you walk out of this place, you can defeat discouragement, you can get through hard times, and if you're not going through a hard time, it's getting ready to come. So you might wanna get these three points down. Number one, 
Don't get stuck on why. Don't get stuck there. Now, I am not saying don't ask why. I'm saying don't get stuck there. Because here, here's the thing. It's tempting. Why is this happening? Why are they doing this to me? How about this one? Why can't I catch a break? Ever been there? Why does it always seem like this is always happening to me and not to them? If you're a believer in Jesus, you know this to be true. People who don't serve God got it so much easier sometimes. And you're just like, hey, God, goodness gracious, I'm in your word every day. I'm praying every day. I'm involved in community. I'm on a Zoom. I go to church. I sing on the stage. And my life is falling apart. Why me? Listen, don't get stuck on why. Because here's the deal. Sometimes there just isn't a good enough answer. Save the Q&A for when you get to heaven. Say, hey, God, can we have a talk real quick? Because there are just some things, guys, that aren't going to make sense. If you can make sense of, of what has happened in the past 13 to 14 weeks, I will not only take you out to dinner, I'll take you out every night this week. I'll pay the bill and the tip and drop you off at the house if you can give me a solid answer. You know what I mean? Because it just don't make sense. Outside of this, it's a fallen world full of imperfect people. That's the only answer I got. Recently, everything we're facing, it's a sin issue. That's what it comes down to. So, so here's, here's what I'm saying. You can ask why. Just don't get stuck there because it's, it's dangerous. Notice the words of Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me you may have, what's that word? Peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Pause. Jesus is saying, take heart. It's the next line that really matters. I have overcome the world. So take the focus off you. I'm going to take the focus off me. And I'm going to take heart because Jesus overcame the world. That's why you guys know it to be true. I haven't said it in a couple weeks, and that's because our service flow is different, and I'm a type A analytical kind of guy. But if Jesus can't fix it, it can't be fixed. I know, I'm sorry I didn't put it up on the screen. I just believe it. People say, what's the answer? I'll tell you what the answer is. It's Jesus. The answer to everything we're facing. And listen, if you're gonna make that statement, be prepared to be mocked, to be ridiculed, to be let down, for people to walk away, and for people to think, oh man, I'm not who you thought, or you're not who I thought you were. I was on some recent calls lately, and I'll not be too specific here, but even with people in our city who are saying, can you help with this? Can you help with this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you join this team? Can you, can you pop on this policy? Can you pop... I'm all for being for my community. I'm all for it. I believe God opens doors. But when asked, what do you think the answer is on a Zoom call? My response was, I believe that Jesus is the answer to our problems. And let me just tell you, from that point on, I have not got a single email, a single Facebook message, a text message, or a call. Sometimes people just don't want to hear that. 
And guess what? That's okay. Because that's actually scriptural. The Bible actually tells you that when you do that, expect that to happen. So I'm okay with that. But I still believe that Jesus is the answer. So don't get stuck on why. Can I give you a better alternative? You want it today? All right, here you go. Start asking what. Stop asking why. Don't get stuck on why. And then just doing this. Start asking what. Notice the words of Philippians 1, 2. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Uh-oh. So, so, so Paul didn't get negative. Paul didn't get immature. Paul didn't say, why me? He said, look, here's the deal. Because it happened this way, something good has actually come out of this. The gospel has gone forward. See, see, God, what are you doing? Great question. God, what do you want to teach me? Another great question. God, what is your purpose behind this? All great questions. Because when you begin asking the what questions, you are beginning to realize that even though it may be different from what you planned, God is up to something powerful. Think about this. For one thing, because Paul's plans didn't work out, much of his writing in the New Testament was able to take place. What else are you going to do when you're in a prison? You're going to read, you're going to write. It actually served a purpose. Verses 13 through 14, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace, scarred, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. His dream was to go to Rome and preach the gospel. He got to Rome and they threw him in prison. It didn't go according to plan. But all of a sudden, Paul goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now the whole palace guard knows. Would we agree that those were very influential people? So could we just all agree that because it happened this way, which was God's way, that Paul had a greater reach and influence because of it happening this way? But so many times if something happens to us because it doesn't go our way, we think it's all for naught. But could it just be that the way that it's happening is to serve a purpose that goes further beyond you? But you got to look for it. He says, because my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Man, Paul is saying, it's been challenging, wasn't my plan. Man, but there's something good that comes, that comes out of this. Prison guards are hearing the gospel. Believers are becoming more bold. Listen, you can count on this. In every one of your hard times, you will be faced with new opportunities for the sake of Christ. If you've been attending this church for more than a few years, you would know this that going through hard times speak volumes to people when you go through them with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and people see you with such a grace and such a purpose and such a power, and they wonder, how is it that you experience all of that, but yet you look like this? And let me just tell you, it's nothing good within us. It's Christ in me, the Bible says, which is the hope of glory. It speaks it changes. I heard a story once of a king who had an assistant and a friend who helped him with almost everything. And this assistant was very positive and he had a saying that he would say for absolutely anything. It would just go like this. He would say, it is good. Look at your neighbor and say, say it is good. That's what he always said. He was super positive. You ever have like a person in your life who just seems the super positive person? 
If not, I'll be that for you. Let's go somewhere and be positive, okay? I'll, I'll help. But he was always positive. Now, years later, the king was hunting. And when they were hunting with this friend, the assistant gave him the gun that was loaded, but it misfired and it took off one of his thumbs. And so the king that day got upset at his friend, his super positive assistant, and he threw him into jail. Wasn't too happy. Years later, the king goes out and he's beginning to hunt again and he ends up being captured by a group of cannibals. Now they were preparing to have the king for dinner when they noticed that he was missing a thumb. And being superstitious, they would not eat anything that seemed diseased or deformed, so they let him go. Now the king was so grateful to be spared that he became remorseful about throwing his assistant and his friend in prison. So he goes and he releases his friend and he tells him that what had happened and how sorry he was for, for what he had done. And the assistant said what he always did. He goes, oh, this is good. And the king said, how in the world can you say this? And he said this, his friend, he said, had you not locked me up, he goes, I would have been with you. That's some maturity. say it doesn't feel good when difficulties come of course not I don't think it's supposed to feel good we make a statement sometimes and we say this you know your your emotions are great servants but they're hor horrible masters fear is a great servant it's a horrible master does that make sense in other words those things they serve you if if the fire is hot and you don't have a good fear of a fire you will put your hands in the fire and you will be burned it serves you and your emotions are the same way sometimes your emotions keep in fact that God put them there keep in fact that he has felt all of the emotions you have felt for you are created in his image so God's not caught off by your tears God's not caught off by your emotions he created them to serve a purpose so for example when I feel anxiety it pushes me to pray because I felt it it pushed if it rules my life and owns me I'm in trouble and you're in trouble so what I'm saying is is when you allow those things to serve you they actually mature you if you if you let them we know Romans 8 28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose so here's the deal stop asking why start asking what and then point number three is you got to refocus on what really matters and this is important because a lot of things can matter to us but in light of eternity there are really only a few things see what happens in this life to all of us it hurts it's not fair my youth pastor used to always say life doesn't wait on the wounded is what he would tell me and he was trying to teach me to stop letting life happen to me and he wanted me to happen to life he says life doesn't wait on the wounded it keeps going and I think we all know that to be true life just keeps moving on but difficulties what they do 
is they help me determine what really matters. And what really matters is eternity. What really matters is when we breathe our last breath on this earth. In light of eternity, this is just one little, little spot. And so I felt in my heart, this week as I prayed, that it was time to challenge all of us, myself included, to let difficult times push us towards maturity, to begin to act in ways that God would want us to act when tough times come. They say this, you, you, you live life looking forward, but you understand life looking back. So I'm gonna live my life looking forward, and I'm gonna look back and I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn the lessons. I'm not gonna dwell there, I'm gonna learn the lessons, but then I'm, I'm gonna move forward. And if I can learn those lessons along the way, maturity will begin to come. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media to hear more about what God is doing through our church at Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo. For more information, visit us at canyonhills.com.